Joy to the world. It's that time of year, isn't it? Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you. Uh, for those of you who are relatively new to NOVA, uh, in case you're wondering who that uh, Father Time is up there, my name is Ron Graff, and if you look inside of your bulletin uh, on the listing of the staff, I'm the guy that says down there, associate pastor, active retired. That'd be me. So I'm glad you're here today. That particular song that you heard uh, was sung by a group known as Three Dog Night. That's a great name, isn't it? Three Dog Night. And it was published in, or released in 1971. The song, when you go through the words, it's an expression of, uh, it's an expression of a joy that is born out of fantasies that uh, come after drinking the mighty fine wine of Jeremiah the bullfrog. <laughs> but today, our carol that's before us as we close our series of messages doesn't come from Jeremiah the bullfrog. It comes from Psalm 98, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit. The word joy is an interesting word. We talk about it, we sing it, and oh, we look for it so much because there's not a whole lot of joy in the world. Webster defines the word as a very glad feeling, a great pleasure, a delight, anything causing such a feeling the expression of such a feeling. And I looked up some synonyms about the word, and it comes like this. It gave me words such as cheerful and sunny and bright and optimistic and upbeat and positive. I'll give you some examples. It's the incredible joy that I felt when I looked into Millie's eyes and said, I take you to be my lawful wedded wife. Man, I'm telling you, I could have scaled mountains at that moment. The beaming on my face. And not only that, I don't know how many weddings I've uh, officiated over the years, but I have yet to see a gloomy face, either on the groom or the bride. And I looked at some pictures of, uh, you know, uh, weddings that I've done, including my own family, Man, their faces are just smiling and gleaming and so on, and rightfully so. It's joy. Or maybe looking at the face of a new mother when you go to the hospital. Man, there's no greater look. They're just, I mean, that person is, it looks much younger. The lines are gone, and they're just beaming because of the baby that they brought into the world. The Hebrew and Greek words, they follow much, pretty much along the line of uh, what Webster's Dictionary defines the word as. But there's one difference, and the one difference has to do with the object of the joy. And we know that the object of the joy is the Lord our God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the expression of happiness and delight. And when we sing the Christmas carol, joy to the world, the Lord has come. 
And when we sing that, it's no fantasy. It's no stimulation from the mighty fine wine of Jeremiah the bullfrog. But it comes from deep within. The author of that particular Christmas carol is a, 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 a man by the name of Isaac Watts. And Isaac Watts grew up in England, and in his day they sang the Psalms in their worship service. But it was to be of opinion of Isaac Watts that the, that the way they sang the metrical Psalms and the way they arranged them for singing was not very good, so he produced a book. Book of Psalms, or Book of Songs to Sing in Worship. And one of those songs was Joy to the World. And Joy to the World is a song, a Christmas carol, or a song that is based upon Psalm 98 in the Old Testament. And that's our text for today. It's a rendering of this psalm. So I'm going to read the psalm. And I'd like to have you follow along with me. It's only nine verses long. It's not very long, but follow along as I read. It's a joyful psalm. The theme is joy. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy, holy arm. Sorry. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth in righteousness and the peoples with equity. As we read that word, it's the Holy an inspired word of God. And may he write his internal truth upon our hearts as we hear the word of God. Who wrote the psalm? We have no idea. We call it anonymous. But obviously, and no doubt, the psalmist had in mind some glorious victory that God had given to the people of Israel. Most commentators think it was their delivery out of Egypt, out of slavery, and being brought into the land of Canaan. When I looked into the psalm, you know, I tried to find what is the base of this psalm? What's the central focus of it? And it seems to me that the central focus is in verses 8 and 9. In the words, sing together for joy before the Lord. Sing together be, uh, for joy before the Lord. And the psalmist seems to give us two basic reasons why we should do that. Why we should sing together for joy before the Lord. The first one is found in verses 1 through 8. And we should sing for joy before the Lord because of his wondrous salvation. 
I'm going to elaborate on that in just a bit. bit. Verses 1 and 2 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. Now, according to verse 1, you will notice that we are to sing a new song. A new song. When, when, When the psalmist talks about a new song, there are two basic possibilities that exist. In fact, that word to a new song appears a few times in the Bibles and the, the Bible. And for instance, in Psalm 40, verse 3, it says, God put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And then in, he, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, he takes us up to the scene of heaven. And it says, they sang a new song. You, Jesus, are worthy because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased us. For God. And you'll note that the psalmist says it's a new song. One of the possibilities is that it's that new experience that brings renewed joy into our hearts. And as Christians who know the Lord, we have those experiences that we have that bring renewed joy. Let me give you some examples. Some of you were at the same place, but over 74,000 men gathered together in promise keepers at the Colosseum. And it was incredible. Especially when seven, over 74,000 men sang, How Great Thou Art. I'm glad we sang it in our worship set today. Man, I'll tell you, you talk about a new experience. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Or seeing the countenance of a person who has just asked Christ into their life. I've seen that many times. And I, it just, it's overwhelming joy. It brings, always brings tears of joy to my heart. Being at Billy Graham Crusades and being a counselor down on the field and seeing families walk down, mom, dad, and kids, and come down, and they kneel together on the field and they ask Christ to come into our life, and then they embrace one another. That's joy. That's a new joy. Someday when we get into heaven, either when the Lord comes or when God takes us through death, and we get into heaven, my friends, I understand what it is. They sang a new joy song in heaven. Our new song will be when we see Jesus face to face. There'll be no greater joy than to see his face. By now, we see his face by faith, but then we will see it in person. Well, it's a song that's a new song, but it also could be a song that is old, but also new. I'll give you an example of something like that. The, Jesus gave a commandment to love. In Matthew chapter 22, 35 through 40, a lawyer asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love God, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. But then, Jesus comes to earth, and in John 13, 34, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's an old commandment, but something made it new, and what made it new is because Jesus did on the cross. Another example is the Magi. You can read about them in Matthew chapter 2. But in verse 10 it says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now think about that for a moment. These men were astrologers. They studied the stars all their lives. I mean, if anybody knew about stars, these men knew about stars. Now they see this particular star and they rejoice with exceeding great joy of the star that they have seen all their lives. What made this one so special? Well, they knew that this star was going to lead them to the King of Kings. It was going to lead them to Jesus, the newborn King. And so the old became new for them. When we sing joy to the world, that particular hymn was published in the early 1700s. Did you know that? And we still sing it. But that old Christmas carol recorded or published in the early 1700s becomes new to us when our hearts are in tune with its message. Well, we also sing together for joy because, according to the psalmist, because of God, God's wondrous salvation, the wonders of our salvation. Notice verse 1, it says, The Lord's right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Now, the psalmist's primary reference, of course, was about Israel's wondrous salvation. But when you come to the Old New Testament... You read about our wondrous salvation, all predicted in the Old Testament and brought to fruition in the New Testament, in what Jesus did for us. But I want us to just take a moment and think about that. Think about our wondrous salvation. Do you realize that you are one of approximately eight billion people upon this earth? You. Do you realize that even though you're just one, not only that, the Bible says that you are a rebellious sinner, hopelessly lost without God? Do you realize that the Bible also says that as you one, your best efforts are like grease-stained rags to God? Do you also realize that God looked down from heaven to see if there were any that did good and he found not one, not one that did good? And with all of those things, Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, he knows you so much by name that even though you're only one amongst approximately eight billion, 
and you're a sinner hopelessly lost. He knows you by name when you have received Christ as your Savior. He gives his love towards you, and he literally etches your name in the palm of his hand. That's why we sing, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. There's another song that's popular, especially by country and western people, and it's called, Why Me, Lord? A line in that song says, What have I ever done to deserve even one of the blessings you've shown. Oh, it says our Christmas carol for today says, the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love, repeat the sounding joy. Verse 11, or verse 4 says, shout to the judge, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Verse forth with jubilant song, with music. But we are not only to sing together for joy before the Lord because of the wondrous salvation, because of our wondrous salvation, but also because God has saved the last, or the best for the last. And that's found in verse 9. Verse 9 says, God comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Do you notice who it says the judge is? It's the Lord. In John chapter 5, verse 22, it says that the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. There are several other passages, New Testament passages, that affirm that, that it's going to be Jesus who's going to be our judge someday. The man on the cross will be the man on the throne, the, man, the one who is equal to the Father, who said of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life will be the judge. <coughs> Excuse me. And the one who can sympathize with us because he was down here and became man will be our judge. Notice the nature of the judgment. It's not only going to be Jesus who's the judge, but also it'll be in righteousness and equity. The Hebrew word righteous is what is in what we call the causative case in the Hebrew. And it's what makes right in a moral sense. It's making right in a moral sense. The word equity means straight, even fair. So at long last, the judgment will be fair. And it will be morally right. But my friends, when Jesus was upon this earth, he gave, he provided us with the basis of the judgment that he's going to give. And this is what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. The greater authority. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 9, verse 26. Whosoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes into his own glory and of the fathers and of the holy angels. He also said in Matthew 10, 32-33, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father 
who is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father in heaven. One of the greatest ploys, I think, in our modern day, in our culture, is being intimidated via political correctness, which causes us as Christians not to really speak out because of this milieu of political correctness. We become inhibited and we aren't bold. We become inhibited in, 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 in our efforts to boldly proclaim Christ to the world. Because you see, it could cost us a great deal. It could cost us a great deal. Who doesn't want to be popular? I read a story some time ago. This was during the communist regime in Russia. A group of Christians were meeting in a little house, quietly. And all of a sudden, the door burst open, and a captain came in with his soldiers. And he starts screaming at the Christians, and he raised his gun, and he says, those who proclaim the name of Jesus, we're going to shoot. And I give you one more chance. For those who want to leave, you can leave now because, and deny Jesus, but you can leave, and a few left, but most remained. And the captain became very angry, and he told his soldiers to get out the door, and so the soldiers went out the door, and suddenly the soldiers hear the shots. He said, I'm going to take care of this myself, and they hear the shots. And finally, the captain comes back out and says, let's get going. And the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story was that what the captain did, he raised his gun up to the ceiling and fired several shots. Then he lowered his gun and told the Christians that he was also a believer. But he knew that there were spies among them. And he says, you people are genuine. You'll give your life for Jesus. God bless you. He says, I remain here because I protect and do this many times. And he said, God bless you. And then he left. You see, that's the joy of the Lord. You never want to refuse the Lord. You never want to deny the Lord. But you confess him no matter what the cost. Well, what's the effect of the coming judgment on those who confess and believe? Well, we live with a new song in our hearts. And maybe the new song in your heart, it's in my heart, I'll tell you. It's a chorus of a hymn that says, Oh, what a day it will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look into his face and see the glory of his grace, and he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. So, my Christian friends, sing for joy, sing to the Lord a new song, shout for joy, for God has done marvelous things. 
Live with jubilant joy in your heart. As one commentator says, be joyful, it beats being happy. And the reason that he said that is happiness is dependent upon circumstances and environment. Happiness comes and goes. I was happy when I bought my new car. Wow, it's great. Eh, eh, the car is six years old now. I still like it. It's not the same. Not the same. You see, happiness comes and goes. I've been on championship sports teams. I've had uh, favorite teams win championships. And yesterday we watched some games, and boy, you saw the excitement. Teams running out and jumping up and down. And afterwards, the only people who are still excited are the winning team. The others are very gloomy. And guess what? The coach says, well, we'll enjoy this for a moment, and then it's back to work. Happiness comes and goes comes and goes. But joy is different. You see, joy, joy is something that God puts in our hearts. Because the Bible says in Galatians 5, through 23, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And it's there and it's not dependent upon any circumstances. It's not dependent on any environment. It's there through thick and thin, through thick and thin. During one of the darkest moments of my entire life, I remember that while, boy, everything was dark out here, unhappy out here, everything was falling apart, yet this is curious, there was this joy inside that I couldn't describe. It was for real. And later on, uh, you know, I looked back at that event and I finally realized, I don't know why I didn't realize it then, but I finally realized that it wasn't dependent on this. It was something that God was producing inside. There was joy in here and no joy out here, but joy in here. When the angels announced to the shepherds, in Luke 2, 10 through 11, I bring you good news of, notice, not just joy. You can have joy in buying a new car. You can have joy at, you know, getting a lot of money and all that kind of thing. But notice it's not just joy. They said, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be all to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy.